Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Convo Courses Podcast. Today is going to be open topics. Um, anything from cybersecurity, GRC stuff, getting into this field as a cybersecurity person, IT person, if you're trying to transition, that's what we're going to be talking about. And I do these every week. Before I get started, you guys should know I have a free book only today. Today only. Today is the last day. Um, it's on Amazon Kindle for free. So um, I'm looking for people to review the book because it helps me out quite a bit with sales in the future going forward. So um, go ahead and grab that book. Link in description, link in bio. Um, I do these about every other week or so where I release a, a free book from um, from publishing that I do. Um, and it's just a, like a promotional thing. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and grab it. Um, if you want more stuff from us, then the best way to do that is sign up for my newsletter. I give out free stuff all the time, including free courses, um, uh, free free game, free all kinds of stuff free. So um, th with that being said, let's jump right into this and um, talk about some cybersecurity, talk about getting into this. The great thing about this is that a lot of times I'll have people jumping into uh into this live stream that know a lot more than me or have a whole different skill set such as cloud or ai or something like that and they'll be able to expand on on what i'm talking about what we're talking about in this particular subject so i've got a couple people joining me already on youtube on facebook on TikTok, and let me answer the first question here um, somebody said xavier said what are the skills i need to focus on to get an entry level job as a cybersecurity um, analyst or engineer, so I would I would start that that off by saying um, there's a cybersecurity is a very broad field. So, for example, a cybersecurity analyst is very different from a cybersecurity engineer. Usually, um, so whenever you say analyst, you're talking about somebody who's looking at data. And whenever you say engineer, it's usually somebody who's dealing with the infrastructure that the data goes on. Um, but it kind it kind of can be um, meshed together. So I've done some of both of those things, and I could tell you, with a cybersecurity analyst, what they're looking for is somebody who's who's good at. I'll just mention a couple: incident response. Incident response is the ability to handle security incidents. A security incident is like, a, it could be a mishap. It could be somebody mishandling data. It could be a, a, a data breach. It could be uh, malware on the network. Those are all security incidents. And you as a security analyst need to know how to handle that when it comes in. And you're a part of an incident response team. Now, as an analyst, you're probably going to be one of the guys looking at the, the data as it's coming into the network. So you're going to be looking at logs. You're going to be looking at, um, uh, what's called the security information event manager. And so one of the skills you can have is incident response, being able to recognize um, the, the techniques and tools and methodologies that hackers would use, criminal hackers would use to infiltrate your network. That's all. That's a really good skill to have. Things that you might see in the CEH or things that you might be able to do um, and perform in the OSCP. Those are both pen testing type, red team type certifications. Those are very helpful because it allows you to know what kinds of things that hackers do to get into a network. Um, network engine, network, um, networking is actually good. The three-way handshake, the TCPA, the TCPIP 
Um, TCP IP three-way handshake is something that's really good to know. Um, packet analysis is another good thing to know for a cybersecurity analyst. Um, another good place for you to go to is called SANS. Go to SANS GCIA and the SANS GC. Oh man, I'm at a lot. There's another one that is really good. Uh, incident handling. SANS GCIH. Those two, GCIA and GCIH, those are, it's a really good common body of knowledge for you as a security analyst. Another one would be for security analysts would be, um, as far as common body of knowledge, things you should know, is a uh, C, oh my Lord, I can never remember this one. CompTIA has one for cybersecurity analysts, and it's S-Y-A, a C, C-S-Y-A plus is another great certification. Yeah, GCIH, that's a really good one. So those are, it'll break down all the skill sets that they're looking for, for um, a cybersecurity analyst. Now for engineers, a bit different. So engineers, they're, they're mostly concerned with the infrastructure, right? So when you're thinking engineering, you should be thinking of what types of, what types of systems would, would security analysts use? And that would be SEAMs, or security uh, security information event managers. They're going to use IPSs or intrusion protection systems, uh, or pro intrusion prevention systems, intrusion detection systems. Um, tools like Snort, tools like um, Splunk, tools like I don't even know if they use it anymore, but ArcSight, things like QDAR. So an engineer is going to be the guy who makes sure that. The data is flowing. The logs are being um, they're they're coming from all the systems within a, an organization. So some of the skills that they would want is really good troubleshooting skills, a really good round, well-rounded, um, uh, well-rounded hands-on with anywhere from firewall, anything from firewalls to IPSs to uh, SIEM devices to they, they're going to want to have hands-on in actually implementing those types of devices. So an engineer, okay, you said uh, cybersecurity engineer is more of a, a white hat hacker. No, cybersecurity engineer, from my understanding, from most of the job titles I've seen are somebody who's more of a, well, I, I suppose you could see them as a white hat hacker, but they're more of like an infrastructure type person. They're more of the people who make it so that the cybersecurity people can do their job. So they're working on the, they're putting together the firewall. They're making sure the firewall's data is flowing properly, it's working properly, it's reaching back to a database or whatever it needs to do. They're making sure that the Splunk system is working properly, making sure the data is going where it's supposed to go. They're making sure the infrastructure, they're more of an infrastructure type person. An engineer is, more, is usually more of an in infrastructure. Now, I've been to organizations where they call it an engineer, but they're doing analyst type work. An analyst is more, an analyst would probably be more in lines of a white hat hacker in that they are defending and they know the network to where they're they're trying to put controls and they might work with the team that puts the controls in place and things like that. So I so you could probably call them a white hat hacker. I mean, that's a very broad term. You know, it, you you you're immediately going to a black hat hacker where a black hat hacker is somebody who's who's infiltrating a system and they're not telling anybody whereas a white hat hacker there they would be a part of a team who is who is defending a system and they might run a scan on the network. But so, yeah, you could probably put in that. It's a very broad term. White, white hat hacker is a very broad term. 
So I hope that answers your question. Um, okay, I've got a question here on YouTube. And somebody said, what is strong cryptography? Uh, and will your books cover that? And then you have another question. I'll answer that one next. So, no, my, my book doesn't go. So the books that I have out right now <clears throat> are addressing NIST 853, NIST 837. Um, I do have books coming. I'm working on some stuff right now, but none of those cover are in depth on cryptography. I mean, I might touch on it. I've got one book uh, that talks about the need to know cryptography. If you're going to become a cryptographer. Like if you're going to become uh, somebody who does crypto analysis type work, then, yeah, I mean, there's something. But I don't go into like the breakdown of the public key, private key stuff. No, I don't. I don't go into that kind of stuff. I kind of touch on the edges of it, you know. So, no, I'm, I'm sorry. But at this time, I don't have anything that that addresses cryptography. Um, let me see. Oh, and the free book. By the way, if you guys are coming in late, I have a free book that's out right now. If you happen to be on TikTok, it's right down below. This is what it is right here. You can go to this link. has a book. It's only free for one day. This is talking. This book right here is telling you how to use um, something like a chat GPT or a Bing chat to, to, to use that to do your job as a NIST 800 risk management framework person. Or if you happen to be doing risk management framework in any capacity, I'm telling you how you can use it throughout the entire process. So it's mostly for security compliance. It's not for specifically for um, for cryptography. That's something that maybe I'll do if people are interested in it. That's, that's something I could do in the future. Okay, so Papa Boy says, uh, how hard is security plus certification versus CISSP? Um, so it's, it's night and day. Like uh, CISSP is very very broad very very broad it covers many many different areas of cybersecurity as a whole but it's a very general certification whereas whereas security plus is a lot smaller pool cissp is like a, a it's like lake erie it's like the ocean versus <laughs> versus the cis the uh, security plus is like a pool it's like a it's like a large pool <laughs> compared to CISSP's. It's very, very broad, man. Uh, it's <laughs> the C the security plus can fit is can fit in CISSP 10 times. That's the I've got both of those certifications and I took them back to back. I took the security plus in order to prepare myself for the CISSP. And what I noticed is that it did, while it did help, um, it got my mind ready to to get prepared for that level of information but it's kind of it's one is a small pool and one is a freaking ocean <laughs> uh, but the the data is it's very, a lot of overlap between the two but the cissp is just so much more information um how hard is the security plus security plus i would say would be difficult for somebody who was new if you've been in IT for some time, if you've been in IT for about two, three years, it's not going to, it will be dependent on what you did. It won't be easy, but it won't be hard. It'll be moderate. Um, CISSP is going to be hard 
with with five or six years of experience, uh, it's just a hard test, man. It's just it's just they're throwing so much at you that it's just so wide that it's like so much information you have to absorb in order to get a fragment of what's the totality of the test. And then they have like three or four different versions of it that focus on different areas of of the domains that are on the CISSP. CISSP is hella hard and Security Plus is moderately difficult for a person who's a beginner in IT. Probably easy for somebody who's been doing it for cybersecurity. If you've been doing cybersecurity for like three years, Security Plus will be easy for you. So that's what I would say about that. And I'm starting this a little bit early, guys. I know this is a bit early, but I wanted to test out some new features. I don't want to be scrambling around to get to get ready for this thing. Plus, I have some other stuff that I have to do at like two. So normally I, I'll start at one and then go until like, you know, two thirty or three or something. So now I started earlier, like eleven thirty. So I don't normally do this, but I'm going to try to go until until as long as I can go. And I have an appointment like probably within a couple hours. So that's why I decided to go ahead and start this early. And then I also want to test out some features. Now, if you guys are joining this late, you should know I have a free downloadable on Amazon right now. Kindle link in description, link in bio, link below. Go ahead and check it out. It really helps me just for you to go ahead and download it for free. Um, and also it, the biggest help you can do is give me a review. Um, those those reviews are really better than money. That's better than if you ever watched any of my stuff and you're like, man, I, I owe this guy a lot. Like this is great information. It's been free for all these years. It's been helping me. I really like this kind of material. I want to support Bruce. The best way to to support me is to put reviews on Amazon because right now Amazon's Amazon's is paying the bills right now. So um, it's helping me quite a bit. So um, I really, really appreciate every single review I get. I, um, and I appreciate this audience. I, I appreciate you guys just asking me questions. Okay, I got a couple other people joining me on TikTok. I got a couple people joining me on YouTube. So let me see here. They said, um, how big is a CCNA? And is that a better way for a beginner? Um, CCNA... First of all, CCNA is a Cisco certified network associate, um, and I believe they break it down into different parts now. I believe they have one for CCNA switch, CCNA security, and CCNA whatever. Right? Um, it's it's a difficult it's it's a difficult certification to take. That being said, it's very lucrative if you can get this certification. If you can earn this certification, it's it's really it's going to pay you. It's it, it's worth some money. Um, it's specifically for network engineers in the U.S. Like if you happen to be in the U.S., the biggest network, the biggest network company right now is still Cisco. So most large banks, most organizations, governments use in the U.S. use Cisco. It's not a secret. Um, Runner-ups would probably be like Palo Alto, Juniper, and like, I don't know, VMware or something like that. But Cisco, hands down, has the most routers and switches out there. It's, it's really the main infrastructure for the U.S. currently. Um, that says a vendor-level certification is really, really good. CCNA, I had a CCNA at one time when it like first came out. Like I got a certain, not when it first came out, but um, I have a, I had a long time ago. So um, I like, kind of let it expire because I'm, I'm more focused on cybersecurity right now. So when I took it, um, after I took it, man, it was, it, it, it really helped me out right, right there. Like I would say 
um, next to, I would say, CCI, CISSP, then Security Plus, then uh, CCNA. Those those three have been my top certifications as far as as soon as I put on my resume, it lit me up like I was getting calls from all over the place. So this is a very marketable certification. Everybody knows what that certification is. And the more people that know what that certification is, the more marketable it is. Um, that said, it, it is an it is a vendor certification, so it is at the mercy of Cisco Corporation, and so they'll change it on a whim, like they've changed it several times, several times, massive changes, because it has to it has to match their iOS, it has to match the new infra, the new uh, uh, the new uh, UI, you know, the GUI interface or whatever has to match every. So whenever they make a change. The Cisco certifications have to change with it. So it changes quite a bit. And so you have to um, some every from time to time, you have to renew that cert and go take it again is what I'm trying to tell you. So you have to re make sure it's renewed and all that kind of stuff. And then it expands. And right now it's not really entry level cert anymore. They've got two or three certs before you get even get to CCNA. There's at least one cert that you could take before you get to the CCNA. Um, so but to answer your question, how big is it? It's a pretty big, big cert right now. It's very big as in like it's hard. It's difficult. I took it again years later and I failed it miserably. <laughs> um, big as in marketable. Very, very marketable. Is it good for beginners? Um, I would say if you were a network engineer who'd been doing it for like a year, then I would say it's a really good certification for that. But if you are a new person, like off, if you are coming from healthcare and trying to get into IT, no, it's not a good certification for that. It's not a good entry level. I mean, I, I've seen a couple of cybersecurity IT gurus say, oh, go straight for the CCNA. I'm telling you, that is not for everybody. That is not, you can, I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm not, I'm, it's not easy for somebody who's new. Um, no, fresh out the gate beginner. No, 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 if you're fresh out the gate, you want to go with a CompTIA A plus certification. Okay, so a lot of times when these gurus out there, not I'm not talking crap about it. I watch some of these guys. You know, they're they're very sharp. Very, I'm impressed. You know, to be honest with you, with a lot of these people, but um, they're they they are talking to other IT people. Um, if if I'm telling you, if you're coming from another career path. Um, I'm telling you, security, the CompTIA A plus is a good one to start with. Um, it's it's marketable for what you're trying to for your level. You need to get to the common body of knowledge of what what hardware and software and all that stuff looks like. Now, if you're if you're hardcore, if you don't have family, if you don't have a life, if you're all you're gonna do is study for the next eight months, then yeah, go for a hard certification like off the out the box. You want to do a CCNA, go for it. Like if you've got nothing else going on, you're a single person, you got no kids, you got no job, like you maybe you have a job, but you can work it and that's all you do, then yeah, you can you probably do something like that. CCNA is not gonna be easy. I would actually I would re recommend you probably go for a degree or something, to be honest with you. I mean, that'd be my opinion. So let me see. Some people are adding more to this. CCNA was my first certification. That's awesome. I put my resume on dice, as you said. Um CCN, I got my CCNA, Security Plus, and nothing. Okay, this is another topic. Um, I got my CCNA. Okay, Security Plus was doable in two months. Um, they not hiring for jobs in Atlanta. 
I got a CCNA, a, a Security Plus, nothing. I put my resume on dice, like you said. Okay. Um, I what I did has really worked, and a few people who've 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 contacted me who who listened to exactly what I said to do, they're now making more money than me. Just so you know. Um, that said, that these people had experience, so they they had four or five years of experience. And they went out and did exactly what I told them to do. And now some of those guys are making, I'm kid you not, they are making more money than me. I'm telling you, it works. What I'm telling you to do works. I mean, I've been doing it for years. I'm not telling you to do nothing I haven't done myself. And I didn't just put my stuff on dice, by the way. And it could be, normally when I talk to guys, it's usually their resume. And some people still they'll, they'll talk to me or they'll even pay me. They'll be like, hey, Bruce, I'll I'll pay you to talk to you. And I used to do this. Like I for a while I quit my job. I was able to quit my job. I got all these side hustles and stuff. So I was able to quit my job for like five months and just do nothing but this kind of stuff. And um I was talking to a few people and I told them exactly what to do. And the people who listen to me are now making more money than me. Um the people who didn't. I, they're still in the same boat. I mean, if you don't listen to what I'm trying to tell you, then I, you, know, you can't just put your stuff on dice. I mean, that's not enough. And then your resume might might not be good. Um, an example of a good resume is I give out my resume for free. Like you could download a dot doc of my resume right now as an ATS style resume. Okay, ATS style resume. All right. I hate talking about this because no everybody who, who says that they can't get it, a lot of times, and I'm not busting on you xavier but uh, the the resume people do not listen to me i don't know what it is i, I do not know what it is I, i'm not sure they won't buy the book i even give the damn thing away for free sometimes they, they don't even read it i don't i don't even know i don't even, so i just stopped talking about it <laughs> but let me just tell you okay an ats style resume it means um application um tracking software that's what ATS means. And what what's happening is organizations have an algorithm or an AI in the back end. And when you give them their resume, when you, when you give them your resume, the, your resume has to be in a certain format so that when they when their system and their database takes in your resume, it'll break up your resume, but it has to be in a certain format. If you you understand what I'm saying, that resume has to be in a certain format. So it breaks it apart. Like if, if you have all this colorful resume and it looks all pretty and you've got all these graphics on it, dude, that sucks because it's not ATS style resume. And so when you give them your resume, when you submit, I'm not talking about handing it out at a, a conference. Do whatever you want. If you're at a conference, handing them out, going around, going around the, the world, giving out your resume in person. And OK, that's the whole different. You're not you're not my audience. I'm talking about somebody who's uploading their stuff on Dice on on. Um, on a monster, on all the sites, right? All, all the sites, not just dice. Um, when you upload your, your your resume on these sites, if it's ATS style, they're all these companies, these Fortune, remember these Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, Fortune 100 countries, companies, they have thousands of people giving them their resume, uploading their resume. They're, as a matter of fact, their system is pulling in different resumes from all over the world from all over hundreds of resumes a day in some cases right hundreds maybe even maybe even thousands i don't know so when they take this out when they when they pull your resume in if it's in a certain format it will be able to ingest it quicker 
once it ingests it, they'll be able to, their algorithm will immediately say, okay, this guy has a CCNA, has a security plus, has one year of experience. Okay, this guy's a candidate. And then it'll send it to their recruiting team. And then that recruiter or that screener will contact you. That's what happens. That is the first step. The first step is to improve your resume. That is the very first step. Where's your resume book and layout? How much? The resume is free. The book is like eight bucks or something, man. I it's it's really you know what? What I've learned about this this life is it's not about how much talent you have, it's not about how smart you are, it's not about your certifications or degrees. It comes down to whether or not you're willing to take action. If you are not willing to take action, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're not willing to listen to what I'm telling you, then nothing's going to come of you. You're just not going to it's just not going to happen for you. And then you're going to end up going into graphic design or something like that. You know what I mean? Like or whatever else, you know, I don't, like that's what happens. Like if you're not willing to take action on what I'm trying to tell you, it's just not going to work. You got to re- be willing to take action. And what I'm telling you is to create an ATS style resume. It's free. My my resume right now is free. It's Lincoln bio right now. You can just go there and. Download my, go search my site, find a, it's called, it's a free resume. It's my resume. You download that and it'll tell you that it'll have the ATS style resume. As a matter of fact, I give you like five different resumes, five different templates, and it has examples of what you should put on it. It's free. Um, The book is not free. The book is, um, the book is, it's, you can buy a a hard copy of it, a soft copy of it. The book looks like this. Let me show you, let me see if I can find it real quick on uh, Amazon. So it'll be cyber security jobs. Bruce. Yeah, here's here's the book right here. It's a three part. I got three books in the same series. There it is right there if you want to take a look at it. Um on Amazon, but also you can buy it off my site. Uh, either either way, you know, either way, the book's going to help you out. But anyway, so that book walks you through exactly what I'm trying to tell you, and it's a way to market yourself. So it, think about it like this. Think about it like this. Marketing is like this, okay? Um, it's McDonald's versus Larkburger, right? Larkburger is an incredible... You've never even heard of Larkburger, right? Larkburger is an incredible burger place here. And there's another one called Bingo Burger here. I don't know what it is about Colorado, but they have some great burger places that you've never heard of. But when you go there, it's like so damn good. But their marketing is not very good. McDonald's, however, has a pretty mediocre to shitty burger, but it's everywhere. You know, everybody knows McDonald's. So nine times out of 10, no, 10 times out of 10, you're going to go to McDonald's because you just know, you just know, you know that name, you know that brand. So it do, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter how good the burger is. If nobody freaking knows, they don't know it exists. And that's the same thing with your resume. If nobody, if you might be the dopest network security guy, the dope, like you might be super brilliant and genius, but nobody knows who the hell you are. So if, the, <laughs> if nobody knows who you are, how the hell can they find you, right? So your resume is if you get your resume good, like it has the... Proper keywords, it's ATS style resume. That's what I'm teaching you how to do with my free resume download and this book that you're seeing right here. So if you can do all that stuff, if you do all that stuff, if you put your resume together, ATS, everything's matching, 
You put it on these algorithms. You put it. You don't just put it on dice, man. You put it on Monster. You put it on LinkedIn. You put it on Career Builder, Zip Recruiter. You, your if you don't have a job, you should, your job should be to get a job. Your job should be to do nothing but fill out the entire profile of each one of these and perfect your resume and do all that stuff and then post it everywhere. And now, now people are starting to see you. But you got to get your stuff together first, and that's what this book is telling you how to do. And people just don't listen. Isn't on Amazon? Yes, it's on Amazon. It's on my website. So yeah, it's it's everywhere. It's even on Barnes and Noble. It's out there. Um, and it walks you through exactly what I'm telling you in detail. And I listen. I've been through. This is my second recession, and I'm good, man. I'm good. I got people every day. I've got four or five offers every single day for jobs. And people are like, oh, the market's bad and the market's bad. Okay. Market's bad. I'm still getting job offers. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Three and one may be best option. Yes. Yes. Three and one is the best option. It has all three books. Um, and um, I'm working on putting together an audio book for that too. But that's, I have to work on that myself. So. Um, yeah, the three and one is the best one to get. Okay, let me go off to the next topic here. I'm sorry, I get on my soapbox. I get a little bit emotional about that one because I really want to help people. That's the whole reason I started doing this. And when people don't listen to me, I'm just like, yo, like, what am I doing here? Am I wasting my time? It feels like I'm wasting my time. If people don't listen to me, it feels like I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting your time. I'm wasting my time. You go watch, go watch um, somebody else shake their ass on camera or something. I don't know. But if you're not going to listen to me, it just doesn't like... Don't waste your time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're not going to take action, don't go watch some other stuff on TikTok or something. I don't know. <laughs> this is not for everybody. Success is not for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Navi says, hey, Bruce, how do I conduct an internal vulnerability assessment remotely? Okay. Um, I see some do VPNs and other folks send clients a computer to connect to internal networks. Um, I need to get another copy of resume, uh, Bruce's resume. Okay. All right. So let me see. I actually did this internal vulnerability assessment remotely. How do you do this? Okay. This is something that I, that I did at my last job. And there's a couple of different ways to do this. So Navi, so normally... I'll, I'll just give you specific examples of how, how it's happened for at the last couple of jobs. OK, so the job that I was at before about a year and a half ago was a private organization. And that's that was our main job is to do cyber security risk assessments. And we did this across several sectors, including things like financial sector, healthcare sector, manufacturing sector, you name it, like we were we were doing this for all these different, they all have critical information. And I know what you mean, like, how can you do you do this from your computer? Do you like, how do you do this? So that organization, every organization does it differently. So I'm going to tell you about two, two different ones. So that other organization, what they had is number one, we had, we did have a, they sent, I had a laptop from the, from the company I worked for. And then that company, they, it that laptop had a VPN connection to our internal secure network. Our our internal secure network mostly what I had access to was um, our servers, and our servers would 
we would collect all the information from the vulnerability scans. Now, as far as the vulnerability scans it's themselves, what we did was we had a subscription to a, a vulnerability tool. And the tool, like, let me just give you an example without naming you know, too many specifics. Let's say we used something like uh, Tenable. Um, and it was a cloud-based scanning tool. And so that cloud-based scanning tool, we had access to be able to run the scans and that that cloud-based system had direct connectivity to their internal network. You, you get what I'm saying? So I, my only connection, our own, I'm for my company, our only connection was to that cloud system, right? So that was, I'm not logging directly into, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm not logging directly into the bank's infrastructure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't have access to the bank, like the a bank or healthcare systems infrastructure. I'm just logging into the scanner. And so when we would initially set up the meetings with our clients, we would have to, once they signed off on all the pay, the legal documentation and our client responsibility and blah, 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 right? That's stuff I wasn't involved with. So. Uh, we would we would get a connection. One of the things we have to do is get a connection from our cloud system, like Tenable, for example, or it could be Qualys or it could be whatever. Name name a scanner out there. We would have a connect. And that thing was expensive, by the way, like the more systems you were scanning, the more you had to. So it was expensive. But anyway, this company was is very wealthy. So they had access to the scanner, let's say it was Tenable, and then we would get an access from Tenable to our client. And we we do either credential scans or non-credential scans. For Obviously, for both scans, we have to get all the information from our client. Like we'd have to get the IP addresses. We'd have to get the uh, uh, some, we'd have to set up like an account to, to be able to sign in to that system to, con to conduct the credential scan. You know, and we'd have to be we'd have to schedule that scan to make sure they would have to tell us, OK, only scan on Tuesdays at three to nine or whatever. So we would have to get all the approvals all the time, the who, what, when, where and why of the entire scan. And then once all that was set up, we would run the scan at their at the applicable scheduled time. And then we would get that it would the all that data would go into the scanner the cloud service and then we would download it from the cloud service. So there was a there was a third party in between us and the client. Right. So that way, and the great thing about that is that um that third party is that we could then we're not accessing the sensitive information of the banking system banking whatever client or the hospital client. We're not you know, like we're not we're not dabbling into the HIPAA or the Sarbanes Oxley or whatever. We're not we don't have direct access to their system. The cloud system's only scanning. And and the even the the account, if it's a credential scan that we create, is only doing scanning stuff. So it has uh what do you call it? Least privilege, right? The least amount of privilege we need to do what we need to do when we get the hell out. And then when it would gather the information and what we would do is a, um, a risk assessment. We have all the data and we say, OK, hmm, this IP is doing this, this IP. Now, that since that information we have is sensitive because it's it has the vulnerabilities of the IP and the credentials there and all that stuff. We have to protect that. And that would go on our secure systems. 
So that's that's how we would do it. That's one organization. Now, another organization that I worked for, it was a, it was a lot more strict. So this was a federal organization. So they send you a federal laptop and then that laptop has direct access into the system. And then uh, we would run scans. We could directly run scans, but we have we're integrated with the government. So that's that's a lot different. And that that requires that they really, really trust you. So a lot of times you have to have a um, public trust. You have to have a public trust or whatever, like a secret clearance or whatever level that whatever level of um, classification that the data is, is the level of uh, background check they're going to have to do on you. So that's two different ways that we would do an internal vulnerability assessment remotely. And those those are they're both remotely, by the way, 100 percent remote because I was doing that. I'm doing this for my house. Um, uh, let me see. I need another I need to get another copy of Bruce's resume book. Um, I gave my hard copy to a friend. It's a great guy, man. Thank you. Thanks, Navi. Wow, man. That means a lot to me, man. <laughs> Um, what is your opinion on the use of try hack me to gain hands on experience in, in sock one? Um, I think that's great Prometheus. I think that's, that's an awesome move. Another one you might want to try is, um, hack the box is another really good one. Another thing you might want to try is some of the tools on, on your home system is another thing you can do. Go on your home system and you can set up things like, um, you can set up what I would do is a VMware. VMware, you have to pay for it, but they got some free ones. Uh, you've got some free ones. You've got a virtual box and some other free ones that you could use. But it's basically a virtual, it sets up a virtual environment where you can download multiple instances of different operating systems. And then you could attack them or you can have them fight against each other and stuff. I mean, it's a great way to learn. You could set up little firewalls and stuff, all in like a little virtual environment so yeah i think that those are good things now can you put that on your resume i mean probably as a project but to be honest with you organizations are looking for you as a stakeholder within a company because they want to know if they can trust you with heavier 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 uh information you know in in a in a larger environment so they're they're looking for you i'm not saying you can't put that stuff on your resume i'm just saying it's going to hold more weight if you work for an organization. And that a lot of times we think in our mind, like, OK, organization has to be Lockheed Martin, has to be Google, has to be Facebook. No, 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 no. So it could be you could be a freelancer. Your organization could be like, well, if you were a freelancer and you fixed a bunch of computers um, for family, for friends, for um, for local organizations. And then you say. You are you could actually put on your resume that you are a freelancer and you fix X, Y and Z system. That's one thing you put on your resume. Um, there has to be something kind of at stake. You could do it for your if you are in a school and you're helping your school, you could put your school's name on there as the as the as the client. You know, you could say that you were a working student in the University of Phoenix or whatever from this year to this year. And that could be like you help them set up a wireless network or whatever. You help them scan their wireless network. You could put that on there. Um, but this, I would say hack the box and try hack me would be something you could put on your skills. Like let's say try hack me had a little, a little lesson or module where you had to use in map to quietly stealthily scan a server 
and know the ports. And then now you did that little exercise and you were able maybe to infiltrate the system via a port or something. You could put that on your resume as a skill, but I I don't know that I would put it on my resume as a as a as experience, if that makes any sense. So that's just that's just my take on it. All right, I got some folks joining me from Facebook, from TikTok. Um, let me see here. Steve says, Bruce, you inspired me to fall in love with RMF and wanna I wanna be SCA, security control assessor assessor. Awesome, man. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's it makes good money. I mean, it's pretty secure. Um, it's more evergreen than the rest of cybersecurity, and it, it you have an, a mixture of both hands-on and policy work and management. It's really a great, it's you know, I didn't appreciate it in the beginning. In fact, I hated this. I hate, I'll just be honest, I hated doing policy stuff. Now it's just second nature to me. It's like breathing. Um, I know it so well off the top of my head, and I've I've noticed a lot of um, great benefits to it. Like it leads to management. It leads to working with policy stuff, you know, some legal stuff. Like it's just so versatile. So there's a, a lot of great things about this. And I, rem- I get to be in cybersecurity, which I love. I mean, I've loved this so for so long. You know, I would say there are pluses and minuses. Like one of the minuses might be that you have to sit in front of a computer like all day. Another minus is that sometimes you have to deal with difficult situations or difficult customers or clients, and you have to deal with the more emotional side of it because some people get in their feelings about getting hacked or what, you know, insecurity incidents or whatever. So that that can be difficult. But overall, it's a great it's been a great career field, man. It's taking care of me and my family. So I can't complain too much. Right. Uh, Let me see. Thank you for all you do for the cybersecurity community. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Appreciate that. Lisa Bell, hello. Okay. Let me see if I have any more questions about this here. Um I normally start this off around 12, so I'm I'm kind of <laughs> I don't have the normal amount of people that I normally have. Um but I'll stay on here for a bit because I I know I started super early. I'm answered. So just so you guys know, I've got a free book that's out right now. I'm looking for some uh, some some reviews and reviews are as good or better than money, to be honest with you. So if you guys can give me some reviews on this book here, um, if you happen to want to get this book, if you're wondering how artificial intelligence can help you out in your career, especially if you're doing risk management framework, that's what this book talks about. It's talking about like, how can you how can you use AI, chat, GPT, being barred, being chat? How can you use those to not only get knowledge of this career path and get better at it, but also how can you use it to, I don't know, do drafts for NIST 800 system security plans or something? That's the kind of stuff that I talk about in this particular book. And um I, this is coming from a subject matter expert in this field that's very well versed in this. So I actually know when this system is off, like sometimes it's a little bit off. So what I'm telling you how to do is like, OK, here's how you can uh, figure out when it's off. Here's what you can do to make sure that it's on point. All right. Let me see if I have any more questions. Uh, Lisa says, 
my question is how to trans transition to cybersecurity from law and criminal justice background? That is a great, great question. Um, so my background is actually in law enforcement. I was actually in the Air Force as a security forces member. My specialty was I was a weapons guy, but mostly I did um, uniform code of military justice. So I did have to know a little bit of that. And then we later merged with law enforcement, which means we had to know different laws that affect. I was a police officer in the Air Force, basically. And so um, I, a, lo a lot of that stuff does translate surprisingly into cybersecurity. And just to give you an idea, in law and criminal justice, you, you rely heavily on the law, like on acts that are passed. You literally have to know some a little bit of those acts that are out there in order to apply them to your job. You are applying and enforcing uh, and enacting some of the laws as a as a in criminal justice and in the law. Right. So in cybersecurity, you're doing kind of the same thing, except the you're focusing on digital laws towards digital and privacy and cybersecurity type stuff. So to give you a specific example, like my specialty is in the NIST 800, um, NIST 800 risk management framework. This is a group of standards. All it is, it sounds fancy, but all it is, is just a group of security controls and how an organization applies those security those security features on computers in the, on their network that's all it is where do they get those rules from how do they know what to apply well there's a couple sources one is the com the best practices that are in the industry already and the other is laws and regulation regulations and acts one of the main acts that you have to go by is called FISMA or the Federal Information System Management or Modernization Act of 2000. There's two of them. One is in 2002 and one is um, 2014. And those are derived from presidential um, executive orders. So I, you don't have to know this stuff verbatim in cybersecurity. It's just I've been working with it so long that I just know it. So um, that said, when you're all of the stuff that we do in cybersecurity is derived from these federal laws, um, federal laws, state laws, industry laws and regulations. Those re laws and regulations and stuff come from precedents that are set by people getting hacked normally. <laughs> That's normally where it comes from. So, you know, somebody got hacked. The Department of Defense got hacked you know, in 201988 or something. And then they said, hmm, you know, what? this is bad. Let's make a law. And so all the stuff that we're doing, a lot of it comes from not just industry best practices that are learned over time, but also it's coming from um, it's coming from the laws, um, privacy laws, the privacy law, uh, uh, the Privacy Act of 1974, when they started realizing, wow, you know, we should probably can protect consumers out there from having all of their information just willy-nilly being given out and being publicly available and and messing with people's lives. Maybe we should have some laws in place to protect them. Um, so, you know, it, that said, cybersecurity takes a lot from the law and criminal justice and all the stuff that happens there. And then some of the 
concepts of law and criminal justice also translate. Like if you've ever heard of, of uh, chain of custody, that applies in cybersecurity. As a matter of fact, some cybersecurity uh, jobs and roles lend themselves to actually having to know specifically criminal justice. One would be digital forensics. Digital forensics relies heavily on things like uh, chain of custody, uh, relies heavily on protecting um, evidence, for example. Um, and you have to actually know some of that stuff about because you're part of the case when you're taking that stuff on. Now, think of CSI, you know, all the stuff that's involved with that. Um, there's a whole digital element to to that that you have to know. So it does translate pretty. There's a lot of one for one type stuff. Another thing is control as access controls, access controls, especially in um, in security, physical security. Um, and that's not necessarily law and criminal justice, but that, that was another thing that transferred over quite well in from law enforcement to cybersecurity. Where, where I was doing that on a regular basis. Like when I start learning about um, the logical controls and how important physical security was to the actual protection of servers and, and the data and everything, I was like, damn, okay, I already know all this stuff. And so, yeah, there, there's actually a lot of correlation between criminal uh, law and criminal law enforcement, uh, law and criminal justice. So actually it's, I have a, I have a background in criminal justice and law and it translated pretty well it a lot of it made sense and a lot it's funny because sometimes i'll be working with my my um my counterparts who are more like technical or and hands-on and i'm more grc have you ever heard the term grc that actually lines up with exactly what you're talking about grc means governance risk and compliance and so I'm doing mostly the policy and the policy and compliance stuff and compliance with what? With the laws. So I have to actually know some a little bit of the laws that are applied to our policies. And my my counterparts, my the IT guys who all they do is set up servers or maintain accounts or whatever they do or you know maintain the firewall or whatever, firewall rules or whatever whatever have you. Those guys don't understand why a lot of times we have to be compliant with this or that rule. But me having a criminal justice background, I came seeing the big picture right out the box. But those guys don't see the big picture. What certifi certification path would you recommend for somebody coming from from um, criminal justice? Uh, a really good one, a really smooth transition for you. Number one, I would get I would get familiar with the common body of knowledge of IT. That's that's one of the first things that's important to you. So let me just show you what I mean here. CompTIA, CompTIA A plus certification. I always refer to a CompTIA A plus because it has a very good common body of knowledge that I think that if you know it, you know basic IT stuff. So what I'm trying to tell you is start off with basic, learn basic IT so you have an idea of the landscape. That's the very first things I, that I would have you do. So let me show you what I mean here. If I can, uh, let me get this, bring this up and then I'll show you my screen. Um, let me see if this thing can come up here. 
A plus certification. Here it is. Okay. Let me switch my screen here on YouTube. And yeah, so here it is right here. The A plus certification, this common body of if you know nothing, right? I'm talking if you if you know, I'll, I'll build up. OK, if you already an IT person in this part, you don't need to take this. But if you are very, very new and you're coming from a different career field. Yeah, this is this is very good to know, like this is very basic things that you need to know to. Uh, to get to know what's going on. And so here's some of the things that you're going to learn here. Hardware, software, operating systems, network, troubleshooting. Security, basic, basic, basic stuff Very to begin with, just basic stuff. Um, now, once you know the basics, or if you already know the basics, you're already an IT part stuff, you know, you've already been doing this, then the next step is going to be, you, like, first of all, if you know this, you could skip this step. But if you, the next one, there's a couple that I would recommend. So one from here, from CompTIA, I would say it would be the a plus security plus security plus security plus actually gets into some of the laws it touches on a little bit of the laws so look it's talking about attacks threats vulnerabilities architecture implementation operating system incident response and then right here is where you're going to get into more of the law type stuff governance risk and compliance this is lost this is lost stuff once you start reading this, you'll start to say, oh, okay, okay, because some of these are based on laws, like this PCI compliance. PCI is the card reader, uh, the card reader. Um, it's a card, it stands for, uh, it's card, oh my Lord. <laughs> it's the credit card compliance. So whenever you go to Walmart or wherever you go, right, they're um, just expected to know, um, uh, the the organization has to protect your credit card information. So uh, the credit card industry came together, Amex, MasterCard, Visa, they all came together and said, okay, what? how do we protect ourselves? And so as an industry, they came together and came up with a standard that everybody who messes with card readers or takes credit card information has to meet. And it's a law. I mean, it's a it's a it's a standard that everybody has to do. And if you don't do this, you can get sued. Like if, if you know, and that's why I target. I don't know if you heard, but in 2013, 2013, um, Target got hit with a huge hack and leaked all. If you went to Target around that time frame, there's a very good chance that your data got leaked. <laughs> so they have a huge lawsuit against them because of, you know, it turns out some of their stuff was lacking. You know what I mean? So there's that there's that one. There's Sarbanes-Oxley. This came from that Bernie Madoff stuff. This actually is a law that came from the Bernie Madoff situation where, you know, a dude stole billions of dollars for a bunch of people. And then when they did the investigation, they found out, OK, the, the bank, the financial institutions are not. There's a lot of problems here. So they just start. They made this huge law about what every organization needs to do and, and create internal controls so that your systems are protected, your financial uh, records are protected, your, there's audits being done. They can't do all those backdoor dealings like they were doing that allowed Bernie Madoff to get away with all the stuff he did. And then HIPAA, this is for healthcare. GDRP, this is for uh, the, the EU. 
Um, FISMA, this is for federal information systems. NIST is actually based off of FISMA, CCPA. I have no idea what this is. I think this is the California's version of privacy, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not, I can't remember. But yeah, so this is all stuff that's within governance. The other certification I would recommend would be with the one I have, which is uh, CGRC, formerly ISC2 square cap. And that one, let me see, CGRC. Let me show you this one real quick. This is another one. This is after you have all your knowledge uh, in basic IT stuff, I would say try for this one. This one specifically, it focuses entirely on NIST 8, uh, FISMA and NIST 800 stuff. And this is a pretty, pretty good certification for, for it, it's only thing is it's really focused on the government, federal government. Um, I think in, eventually they'll probably expand it to include other industries. But for right now, it's just FISMA, which is Federal Information Systems. So those are the two that I recommend, Security Plus, CGRC, and then I'm sure there's some other ones, but those are the probably most marketable ones at this time. And then if you're high level, if you've been doing like cybersecurity for like four or five years, CISSP. Those, that, that's the three I would recommend. All right, let me see if I have any more questions here. I don't, wow, this is surprising. I really don't have questions coming from TikTok. Normally it's flooding my inbox. I've just got back-to-back -back questions um, from TikTok and now it's like nothing. It might be because the way that I'm doing this video right now might not be, might not be it. And I'm just trying this for the first time. So I don't know, maybe I'll go back to the other way of doing this. Um, let me see here. Open topics. If you guys happen to be watching me right now, you should know. You should know that uh, I have a free book right now, limited time only, just just for today. This is the last day that this book will be free. I do have other books that are coming out, um, and those ones, uh, I it, it takes a while because I've got to go through like a you know an editing process and a formatting process, and I gotta put together a cover for the book and then reread it and all that stuff and launching the book. So all that stuff takes time for me to release it, but I do have some that are in the pipeline. I've got one for um, CSF, NIST Cybersecurity Framework. I've got one for Cybersecurity Fundamentals. That one's gonna be released really soon, probably in the next couple of weeks. I've got, I'm working on one for HIPAA, stuff like breaking down if you're an IT person and you want to learn more HIPAA stuff, I'm going to break that down so that you can read this book and have a really good understanding of what you need to know as an IT person to get into the hospital industry, healthcare industry. Um, I've got, I might do one on PCI compliance. I don't know about, I'm not sure just yet. I'm probably going to do another one on, uh, for there's a NIST risk management framework for artificial intelligence. I'm really thinking about doing that one. Um, in fact, I think next week, if I can get this, the book I'm working on now done, then I'll, I'll start working on that one. That, that one will be interesting. There's so much stuff happening with artificial intelligence right now that I've got to get on that. So let me see if there's any other questions. If there's no other questions, maybe I'll take a couple of, let me just, let me, this might give me the opportunity to go through some questions for, uh, well, what is going on here? <laughs> Good things nobody's watching me on TikTok. 
Uh, let me see here. Let me see if I have some comments. Okay, I do have some comments on YouTube. Let me just read a couple of these. I've been, I just get so many questions and I have a full-time job, man. So I, I can't get to all the questions. Um, Let me see. Do you think it's better to start from system admin before shifting to GRC? Or can we start directly in GRC and do well? Thank you. Um, just This is just my personal opinion about it, my own take on it. Here's the question right here, if you guys were wondering. Um, their question is, do I think it's better to start as a system admin before shifting to GRC? Or is it better just going to GRC? I would say it depends on the job. Number one, depends on the job because some jobs do not don't don't um, require you to have had any kind of technical background. But my own personal opinion is that it's better to start hands on than to go strictly into GRC. And the reason why I say this is because I've known some people who did do strictly GRC stuff, like they literally came into the job I was at. And they were just a policy guy or a policy person. And they didn't have a background in hands-on IT. And I noticed that they had they really struggled with knowing like the time frames and understanding the basic technology. And they would get very confused about what they wouldn't know what questions to ask because they didn't have a they didn't have a technical background. And so sometimes, like, I'll give you an example. Like, we have a vulnerable, we, I was working at the or this organization, and we had a, we, it was a federal organization. We were contractors, and I have a, a pretty strong technical background. I did, you know, networking. I did um, a little bit of server stuff, just all kinds of hands-on stuff. So I have an idea of how long it takes to implement stuff. I have an idea of like where to look. If I don't know what routing protocols are, I know where to look to go get more information. I do not claim to know everything, but I, I know enough because I've worked in this industry so long to know where to go get, where to get the information. So that is, that is extremely helpful to know where to get the information and what questions to ask. And because I have a background and even in like a year of, a, of technical background will do like even just a year is, is very, very helpful. So, and, and, and that's just in, in whether it's in a Linux or a Mac OS or, and if you don't even have that back, like even just to mess around with it on your own and have a technical understanding of how the systems work is actually very, very useful. Anyway. So I'm working at this organization for a federal organization and then they hire another guy in and this guy, Actually, the, uh, this has happened more than once. So this guy has no technical background. It's all policy. Now, he knows the policy stuff, but he doesn't know the technical stuff. And then lo and behold, we have these vulnerabilities that come up. Like we're part of the vulnerability management team that has to sit in the meetings, these very technical meetings about, okay, what's wrong? How can we fix it? How quickly can we fix it? What What can we do? Right. And they're going through all the stuff of how they're going to fix it and all this kind of stuff. And the meeting ends and everything. And then they start asking us questions. And this this other guy who's just a policy guy, he was he was asking questions, but he doesn't know 
it's very clear he doesn't understand what the technology is because he's asking weird questions that don't make sense to the context of what we're talking about. For example, it would be like, let's say we were fixing a database, right? And, and there's a SQL vulnerability. And then he starts asking questions about cloud. And we're like, wait, what? And the IT team is like, I don't want to talk to this guy anymore. He's at, And then not only that, but he got belligerent about it. He's like, hey, why don't you give me information about this? And they're like, this is not, has nothing to, what do you mean? We don't, this has nothing to do with AWS. We're talking about SQL server stuff. This doesn't have nothing to do for whatever reason he was mixing the two up and not, that's not the specific thing to happen, but <laughs> it was something like that. And he was getting belligerent with them. Like, I need this information right now. Or we're going to have to shut the system down or something to that effect. And it was like, and I read the question. I'm like, okay. Um, and I start breaking and I have to do research myself, but I know enough to know that SQL is not the same as say clouded AWS or whatever it is, you know? So that's why I would, in my opinion, it's better to know, it's better to have a, te a technical background that you can build on. And that way you kind of know, you have a better context if you, if you have that, like a, it's just better if you have a technical background, in my opinion. All right, let me see if I have any other questions here. Oh, they're doing an hour here. Huh? That's pretty cool. Um, maybe I'll just do one more question because it's been an hour. So I think I'm going to subscribe. Let me see if I can. Okay, I think I'll do this one last question. So Jermaine B says, hey, Bruce, I guess what you described as a cybersecurity analyst is more like the job of a security operations center analyst. Exactly. What do you think? Yes. So a cyber, a, a security operations center analyst is doing the same work as a cybersecurity analyst. There, it's one in this. It's the same thing with different names. <laughs> it's the same thing with different names. And so they're normally like a lot of times they'll do like shift work. And uh, because they have to look at data 24 hours a day, um, they're doing incident handling. They're part of the incident handling team on the incident response team. That means they're looking for incidents. They're looking at logs throughout the network that are coming to one system. And they're looking at it and saying, OK, why is this? Why is this log look like this? They're looking for patterns like, OK, why is this person um, failed their authentication like they they're attempting to log in over and over again and they're using the wrong username and password and they do it over and over again like a hundred times but that's not the curious part you see them on the logs it shows them doing it a hundred times in three seconds and you're like okay something's wrong here <laughs> something's wrong like what's going on so you would start to you might have to alert someone else to say okay hey what do you guys think about this looks very curious what's going on with this is this a system that's supposed to happen what's happening here so a SOC a security operations center analyst and a cybersecurity analyst are going to be doing that same thing that's their daily life that's the kind of stuff they're going to be doing they're going to be looking at logs throughout the organization they're going to be a part of the incident handling team they're um have to be very analytical and i think that that's it guys thank you guys so much for watching um this has been a light day i normally get a flood of questions but this time is different and actually 
that's fine. Maybe I'll have time to do something else tomorrow. I appreciate you guys for watching. Thank you so much. Um, oh, and before I go, remember, I have a free book for only today. Today is the last day uh, for this book. Uh, link in description, link in bio. Check it out. Just go to the button. Uh, leave a review. That really It's very helpful. If you guys leave reviews, I'll do more free things like this where I'll just give out books for free for five, six days or whatever. Um, and I, I appreciate it. But that's it, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I'm out of here.